I'm Samuel Broden, a kindergarten teacher with a lot to say, and this is Embracing Childhood, where we have candid, casual conversations on childhood. I'm ready to talk. Are you? Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh. I am so, so very excited to be back again for another brand new episode of Embracing Childhood, the podcast where we have candid and casual conversations on childhood. First of all, I want to start by saying, yes, I know, it's been a while, it's been a few weeks, maybe a little bit more since we gave you guys a new episode, but we are all settled, we've moved, everything is set, we're all ready to go. And we're back. Very, very exciting. Today is a fun day. I'm actually recording two episodes today. So this is the first one, although I guess you couldn't really tell either way. But first, I just want to say thank you so much for all the wonderful feedback and the great words of encouragement and the sharing of our first episode, like everything that you guys did was just so great because I got so many people messaging me, so many people sharing or commenting or, you know, doing whatever it is, sharing it, telling people about it, telling me how much you liked it, posting that you were listening to it, all of that. It was really, really great to see because I wasn't really sure like how many people were going to listen or who was going to want to hear about it. But it was really, really great to to see everyone's reaction to the first episode where we talked about our why and, you know, remembering why we got into the field and remember why we wanted to start working with children in the first place. And I think that that was a really great way to start off our little podcast journey because I think it's really important to kind of take that quiet time to think sometimes about, hey, let me look back and let me remember the reasoning why I started doing this. And, you know, hopefully that'll kind of add a little bit more passion into the work that we do that sometimes it can be easy to to lose that excitement and that passion doing this work for quite a long time. So that's one of the reasons that we're here. And I was really, really excited to see all the positive feedback in the very first episode. So On today's episode, we are going to be talking about a very exciting topic, something that I'm really excited to kind of dive into, and something that I'm even more excited to hear from you guys what it's about, what it's about for you, how you feel about it, and really your thoughts and how you you use this in your own practice. So today we're going to be talking about child-led learning. Now, this is something that we've been hearing... I guess a little bit more about, you know, in the last few years as the the field is kind of slowly, keyword, slowly changing, slowly kind of shifting our viewpoint from that kind of typical preschool type curriculum and environment where, you know, the activities are teacher directed, the activities are teacher led. And moving more towards something that is more centered around the child and where the children are are more in charge of their learning and of their time that they spend with us. So I think that when we hear the phrase child-led learning or child-directed learning, child-directed play, whatever 
form you're hearing it in. I think that a lot of times what people think when they hear that is, oh my God. So basically you just have a classroom where the kids run crazy and they tell you what they're going to do and they don't listen, all of that, right? And I think that that's probably the biggest myth around what child-directed learning or child-led play is. It's actually, it's not just going into your classroom and telling the children to just pick whatever they want to do and I'll see you guys in four hours for lunch. There's really so much more that's involved with it. And I think that those myths and that idea of kind of just a free-for-all in the classroom is a reason why so many people kind of have an aversion to this idea of child-led learning. And I really want to kind of pick apart that myth today and really talk about what it really means to be a child-directed classroom, a child-led program, a child-centered program, and really figure out what that means in how we can create that type of environment for children. And I also want to give just a few examples from my own practice of what child-directed learning and child-directed play looks like for me and how I was able to create it and create that type of environment for the children. So I think the first thing for us to talk about is really why it is important to let children have a say in their classroom, why it's important to allow children the ability to lead their own play and be in charge of their own learning. I think from years ago, from when we were younger and from our parents' generation and things like that, it was always that children were at preschool to do what the teacher says, listen to what the teacher tells them to do, do it exactly like the teacher says, and learn your alphabet, your numbers, all of that. That was really what the goal was, you know? And I mean, my mom has a bunch of stuff that I made in in preschool and and things, and it's all very, very teacher-directed, like I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, I guarantee you I probably didn't do half of this art, or I didn't do half of these, <laughs> like none of these things were, were what I wanted to do. None of these things were something that I was like, hey, I'm interested in this, let's do this. You know, it was all very, sit down, do this, here's this art, it's supposed to look like this, here's this whatever, it's supposed to look like this, here's this worksheet, it's supposed to look like this, all of that. And I think that that's what we're kind of thinking about, and that's what parents are thinking about too when they bring their children to preschool is like that's what they're expecting to see but that's not the best way for children to learn especially these young children who are two three four five even six you know they're it's it's not appropriate for them to you know do their work on worksheets where there's a right or a wrong way to do something you know it's not developmentally appropriate for them to sit and listen to some sort of lecture style about each letter and tracing it and doing all all those things are not really developmentally appropriate at all and and a lot more people are starting to see that and starting to see that children learn so much better children learn more deeply when they're given kind of the autonomy to to think 
critically and to figure out the things that they want to learn and that they want to play. And they learn much better when the teacher is stepping away and acting as more of a guide through their play and through their discovery as opposed to acting like a drill sergeant or acting like typical, for lack of a better word, teacher would act. It's super important because it gives the children this sense of who they are. It gives the children a really strong sense of what they can do and what they can accomplish. And also it gives them a strong sense of what they cannot do yet and how they can move towards that goal. When we give the children that, when we allow them the space to play as they will and learn as they will, they're going to take these things that they're learned and they're going to internalize them even more because it's something that's coming from them. Think about it like this. Think about it if someone came up to you and they said, hey, I am really, really excited because I think that you need to learn all about chemistry because chemistry is super important and I really feel like everyone should know it. So what I want you to do is sit down right now and here's a booklet and I want you to read through this booklet and then I want you to write out all these ideas of chemistry. Clearly, I don't know very much about chemistry, if anything, but for the sake of argument, we'll act like that's something that you would do. I want you to sit down and write out all these ideas about chemistry and then we're going to figure them all out. Me, as a person who has absolutely no interest in chemistry at all, no interest in chemistry at all, unless it's, you know, the chemistry between Ross and Rachel on Friends or whatever, right? But it's not the type of chemistry that we're talking about. I don't want to learn about that. So as I'm doing what you're telling me to do, I'm not going to be engaged in it. I'm not going to be excited about it. I'm not going to care about it because I don't care about it. It's not something that I feel like I need to learn, and it's not something that I feel like I want to learn. So while I may remember a couple of the ideas that you had me read about in chemistry, it's not sticking with me, and it doesn't mean anything to me. Now, if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, I really want you to go back to school, but I want you to really think about what it is that you want to learn. What is it that you have always wanted to learn more about, know more about, whatever it is, right? And I'll say something like sign language. That's always been a hidden away passion of mine that I've wanted to learn about, right? So let's say that. And they say, okay, cool. Here's 10 sign language courses. Go at it your own pace. Figure out how it works for you and do it. I'm going to be much more engaged in that because it's something that I'm interested in and it's something that I want to learn. And that's the same type of thing that we're talking about when we talk about that that idea of child-led learning and what that looks like, you know? So as opposed to taking a theme of the week or of the month, right, which is something I'm sure we've all done, this month we're talking about community helpers, right? And so then you have all these pre-planned activities of like, here's what the fireman does, and here's what the mechanic does, and here's what the grocery clerk does, and all these types of things, right? Which is fine, which is great. Those are things that are fun to learn about, and, and you can really take that and enhance those type of activities. But think of it this way. Instead of that, instead of being given a book 
written by a bunch of people that you don't know, a bunch of people that don't know you, a bunch of people that don't know your children. Instead of taking a curriculum book of that and following it word for word and saying exactly what it tells you to say, you know those curriculum books I'm talking about where it literally has like a script for you to read from and say things to the children. Instead of doing that, let's work on listening to what our children are saying when they're talking to each other. Let's listen to what our children are saying when they're talking to us about the things that they're interested in, about the things that they're talking about and thinking about and seeing. And let's take those ideas and mold them into the activities and the provocations that we set out for the children. That's a huge piece of it. That's a huge piece of it, and it's a huge way that I was able to do it. And let's say I hear the children, and they're talking about baby animals, right? So they're talking about, oh, my puppy, my dog just had puppies. Okay. And they go on this whole kind of conversation about puppies and baby animals. And, oh my gosh, I went here and I saw the baby animals. And then I went to the farm and I saw this. And then I went to here and I saw this. And so then I hear them talking about that. I'm not involved in that conversation. I'm not bringing up that conversation. I'm not interrupting that conversation. You know, I'm just listening to it. And as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking to myself like, man, they sound really, really interested in baby animals. Okay. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to say to them later, hey, I have an idea for something that would be fun for us to do. I heard you guys talking about baby animals, puppies and whatever. And I think it would be really cool if we did a little bit of an experiment where let's get some eggs and let's see if we can raise our own baby animals and we can talk through what that means. So they say yes, they say yay, amazing, amazing, let's do it, of course, because they love that. So then that becomes a two, three, four, five-month experience for them where they're learning so much. They're learning about life cycles. They're learning about the circle of life. They're learning about how animals take care of their offspring. They're learning about connections between how humans take care of their offspring, all of that. And all of those things that they're learning in this natural and organic way because they thought about it and it's something that they are interested in. And so they're going to be even more engaged in it as opposed to me saying like, oh, well, sorry about that. I hear that you guys are really into baby animals right now, but we're talking about community helpers. So that's going to have to wait and you're going to need to sit down and we're going to need to sit here and talk about how amazing the police officers are in our neighborhood. Which, by the way, that's a whole other conversation that we'll have. Side note about how to speak to children about the way that the world is right now in relation to community helpers. That'll be another podcast. Anyways, they're going to learn so much more when they're learning it that way. So it's not so much about just kind of letting them run free, which is also a good thing. But that's not what it's all about. You know, it's really about that listening and that observation piece that we do as teachers when we're sitting there and we're listening to them talk and we're bringing up ideas with them based on what we've heard them say. And that's a really important piece to remember is that it wasn't that I heard them talking about baby animals and then I decided in my head that we were going to raise a baby chick. And then I just told them that's what we were going to do. It was that I listened to them 
and I heard them say that they were interested in baby animals. I thought of the idea in my head, and then I brought it to them so that we could have a discussion around what that would look like, and we could decide collectively as a group if that's something that we wanted to do. Because I don't feel like it's my place as their guide to tell them exactly what it is that they're going to be doing in their classroom. It's about having that conversation and it's about creating a collaborative relationship between me and the children to create this type of classroom that we want to have. So when we look at this idea of child-led learning and, you know, having children kind of take the lead in what they're learning about and in what they're playing I think a huge piece of that is that conversation piece and is that idea surrounding this collaborative effort and how it's not my classroom, you know, it's their classroom. Because as we know, turnover can be an issue in this field. And so when the teacher leaves the classroom and the children are left there, it's their classroom. So whether I'm there or not, whether you're there or not, it's their classroom. And they need to kind of have this sort of idea of this is a space that we're in charge of. This is a space that is ours, and we're going to work together to create it in the way that we want it to be. So for me, that's a huge part of this idea is listening to them and then collaborating with them to create these provocations and experiences that they're going to be having. It's not so much about okay, guys, go do whatever you want. It's really about helping them navigate all the things that they want to learn and giving them the opportunities to learn the things that they want to learn. So for me, we have the chick example, right? Which is something that we we did actually. Um, and if you follow us along at Honoring Childhood on Instagram, you'll see the progression of the chicks and the ducks that we hatched and that we raised. It was really, really a beautiful experience for the kids and The ducks are still with us. We gave the chicks to a family, one of our families. They're fine. The ducks are fine. The kids are so connected to it, and it was a great experience. So we have that, and that's kind of one way that I use this idea in my own practice. And it's not just with that. It's kind of with whatever, really that idea of listening to them. So another example, I ordered a bunch of stuff for the classroom, and there were these huge boxes that were empty. And, you know, I'm always thinking like, oh, God, what can I do with this box? And then I think a thousand things and no things at the same time. So I heard them talking to each other saying something about the box would look cool as like a puppet theater or something like that. And I said, man, that's a really good idea. So I said, whoever it was, you know, hey, Hannah, you had the idea. I think I just heard you say about a puppet theater. Oh, yeah, whatever. So we do that. That was our whole day. Then they used that puppet theater for like two weeks. And they worked together to create it. They worked together to create puppets, use puppets that we had. They worked together to like create a little audience section when it was time. They moved all the chairs. They sat down. They took turns. They collaborated with each other. They helped each other get new ideas for scripts and things like that and stories that the puppets were going to be doing. And it was really great to see because they were so engaged and they were treating each other respectfully. They were 
collaborating positively. They were sharing with each other. And it was just a really great experience where as if I had just created something out of the top of my head and told them, all right, everyone sit down. This is what we're about to do. It probably wouldn't have been as successful because it's something that I'm pushing on them that I think they need to learn. They know what they need to learn and they know what they want to learn. And we just need to be able to be there to give them that space. A big piece of this idea of child-directed learning is we have to be able to give the children our trust. We have to. If you cannot trust the children, then there is no way that this is going to work. We have to believe in their innate ability to know themselves. We need to believe in their ability to work together. Because if we can't, then this isn't going to be successful because giving them that trust is a huge piece of it. And when we do give them that trust, they respond positively with a better sense of who they are and a stronger self-confidence because they've been given that trust at an early age and then they blossom from there because it's given to them. And it's really a beautiful thing to see when you see children who are learning at their own pace, who are learning what they want to learn about, and who are engaged in the activities and the provocations that have come from their own thought process. It's really, really a beautiful thing, and it's such a big piece of it. So for me, these are the tips that I would give to you if you are thinking about either starting from scratch and trying to create a child-led and child-centered environment, whether you are like, uh, I kind of do that, but maybe I don't really do it as well as I should. Or maybe if you're like, yeah, I totally do that. That's cool. Wherever you are in this type of journey, these are the things that I think would be helpful for you to move along on this journey of child-directed learning and play. So first, I don't think that you should, if you're working somewhere where you have a set curriculum, I don't think that you should just go in there tomorrow and like throw the book away and be like, all right, we're doing it. It really can be helpful to kind of just start small. So let's say just sit down with the kids, you know, sit down at your meeting time, your circle time, whatever it is that you call it, sit down with them and just start talking, just start talking. Don't even have an end game. Don't have a product in mind, a solution in mind. Don't have any of that. Just sit and talk with them. What did you guys do this weekend? What are you guys doing? What's going on? And they'll tell you. And they're going to throw so much stuff at you. So just have a conversation with them. Then you can kind of move that into talking with them about, hey, so I really want to think of some really cool activities for us to do. What are you guys thinking? And then they're going to give you a plethora of ideas. And that's a really good way to start it. And that's a really good way, especially if the children are not really used to having this type of trust and freedom, it's a really good way to have them kind of go go slowly into it. But it's really great. And then do it. Do those things that you guys talk about and involve them throughout the process. Involve them throughout it. So when you're doing the activity, sit with them and be like, all right, let's make a list of the things that we need to do this. Talk with them about that. All right, I wonder where I could get these things. Oh, Target. Oh, Costco, whatever. Have those conversations with them. When you get the things, show it to them. Talk about it. Involve them in every step of the process and work in that collaborative way. And that's a really good way to start that out. For me, what it looks like in my classrooms 
It really just looks like the children moving around the room and participating in whatever activity or experience or provocation that they would like, sharing with each other, sharing with me, and really just having that collaborative conversational experience with them. Honestly, I can't even tell you how long it's been since the children have done an activity that was only my idea, that they had nothing to do with, that they weren't involved in. Literally everything that we do is something that came from them. And you know, sometimes I have to add my kind of adult brain to it a little bit to to help push it, but honestly, I try not to. I really try to stay away as much as I can from their actual experience and the actual things that they're getting out of it. And I just kind of take that that observational kind of watcher type of role. It's funny, though, because as I'm saying all this now, yesterday I went on Facebook and you guys know that those Facebook memories can be either a blessing or a curse, darling, a curse. Most of the time it's that, I feel like, right? Because it'll show you something of like, oh, here's a post from seven years ago, and it's you and some awful ex that you had, and you thought it was like the best thing ever, and you're like, God, that is embarrassing, right? Delete that. So (laughs) yesterday I went on Facebook and I had a memory from me from I don't even know how long ago, and it was an activity that I had done with a class of mine. And you guys, seriously, it's so embarrassing to even say it because of everything that I just talked about. But I literally wrote in the Facebook caption to the picture, here are some pictures from my new teacher-directed outside activity. I literally wrote the words (laughs) teacher-directed. And when I read it yesterday, I was like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed for myself. But that's the whole point is like, this is all a, this is all a journey, right? I should find a picture. I should find a picture of my very first classroom and post it on the pod because, oh, girl, it was, wow. I'll, I'll just say that. It was very overwhelming and very, it was just too much happening. Too much happening. Bright, bright, bright colors everywhere. Ah, like super overstimulating. Like, I don't even understand how the children like were in there for a whole day. But that's what's great about what we do, guys, is that we learn as we go and we and we learn new things about how children learn and we work through it and we see things that don't work and we see things that do work and and we we meld our philosophy to fit that. So if you're feeling like, oh, I'm not doing any of this, that's fine because we all start at our own pace. We're all on our own journey and we're all here together to support each other and to work through this journey. Because at the end of the day, what we want is for the children to have the most positive experience and the most positive environment that they can have. We want somewhere where they're going to feel safe. We want somewhere where they're going to feel supported. We want somewhere where they feel like they can discover who they are with no judgments, with nothing. We want them to feel like they have a space with us where they can trust and they can feel good about themselves and good about who they are and somewhere that we can help them and help instill in them these ideas that will help them to be more productive and positive adults. You know, a lot of the things that we didn't have when we were younger. So that's really what the goal is. And that's what we're all here for. And I think that's really great that we can create this community with each other 
talking through our struggles, talking through these things, laughing about it and, and helping each other to figure out kind of how we can move into a more positive space for these children. So that's a little bit about child-directed learning. And I think it's a really good topic to have. I'm not going to keep talking your ear off because y'all already know I can do that. We're not going to do that. But I do want to keep talking to you guys about this. I want to hear about your programs. I want to hear about your classrooms. Are you child-directed? Are you teacher-directed like I was? Um, Are you a mix of both? Are you neither? Are you something else? How does it work where you are? And how do you want it to work? And how can we all support you? And how can we support each other through this process? I would love, love, love to hear more about it. I would love to talk with you more about it. If you want to come on the pod and talk about it with me, I would love to do that too. I want everyone. I want everyone to come on. I want everyone to talk about it. I want us to really, really create this strong community of guides for these children. You know, it's really, really important to me. So please make sure if you're not already following us on Instagram, follow us. Make sure that you're following at Honoring Childhood. Make sure that you're following us at Embracing Childhood Podcast as well. You can share, DM, tag, any of those. And we'd love, we'd love to hear, to hear from you guys. I did have an idea of something that I was thinking would be cool to add on to our pods. And I was thinking if we created some sort of a, like a reflection journal or like some sort of journal that we can use together each time that we listen and each time that we talk about the podcast and we can jot down ideas and share with each other. So I don't know, maybe even something that you can use as a guide to go on past each episode, like, okay, today was child-directed learning, let's look at the journal, here's some ideas to do, let's try it out, you know, maybe something like that. Let me know what you think. I'll post this up on the pod, on the Instagram, let us know what you think, connect with us. Let's talk. Let's talk about children. Let's talk about child-directed learning. Let's talk about play. Let's talk about all these things. So yeah, follow us, send us a DM send us a comment, share, tag us, all of that. Let's really work to build this community up. I really think it's a beautiful thing, and I'm really, really excited to get that with you guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever it is that you're listening. Make sure that you subscribe so you get notifications when we post new pods. And thank you so much for all your support. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for starting the conversation. I love it. I love getting to know you guys. I love getting to know what you're doing in your programs. It really is the highlight of of my day and, and really a huge reason why I do this. So please reach out to us. And next episode, we will be talking about creating a kind environment in your classroom and what it means to create a kind environment. It's going to be a really, really beautiful conversation, and I'm really excited for it. So stay tuned for that. And thanks so much. Bye, guys.